All right, so hopefully you liked the episode one. Um, today in episode two, we'll be talking a little bit about um, smart contracts, specifically towards um, a blockchain called Ethereum, which was invented by an individual called Vitalik. Um, he's a very influential individual in the blockchain space. Um, and he basically took the idea of blockchain and brought it into something that was, um, it, uh, I guess, able to bring us more practicality to the space. And what I mean by practicality is that in any new technology, um, for us to really figure out where it stands in, you know, any, you know, our um, human evolutionary um, tool set, uh, um, is that there has to be useful. It has to do something for us. It has to be better. It has to make something better, faster, or cheaper um, in a specific um, field in our lives. Um, so, with Bitcoin, um, the the consensual um, use case that okay, Bitcoin is basically digital gold, right? So Bitcoin has um, a you know 21 million coins ever in existence. Um, which basically is why they call it a hedge against inflation, because you cannot fabricate more currency or tokens or Bitcoins, if have you, versus a fiat currency like the U.S. dollar. So when it comes to, to um, smart contracts, Ethereum um, basically took the concept of, okay, well, if we can verify transactions um, and basically remove the trust element out and basically have automated code to do things for us, wouldn't that be game-changing? Um, and game-changing it was. And this is where the birth of um, smart contracts and Ethereum started. So what a smart contract is, is basically a contract which um, facilitates a bunch of actions, which are, you know, um, if this happens, you know, do this. If that doesn't happen, do this. Um, so it's basically just an automated code, right? So it's automation. But the reason why we call them smart contracts is that they are smart in a way that um, they are contracts that do things without us, without the need of um, a third party. And smart contracts, um, and this is where we talk a little bit about, and I will talk a little bit about in the future, but the the um, philosophical um um, ideologies of blockchain, but for today, we'll just talk about smart contracts and that um, the reason uh, they're smart is that uh, I don't need a third-party um, uh, facilitator to actually do something for me. And uh, for an example of this is that if I were to have a contract um, at a bank, whereas I have a mortgage, I sign a contract with this individual, whereas I'm paying them money monthly for them to facilitate and maintain my 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 contract um, with the bank, or say that I'm, um, you know, I'm sending money. Um, I'm using a bank to send money to a, a wire transfer. I'm basically, you know, signing a contract with this bank to do this service for me, although I'm at the whim of the bank. Right. I don't know if the bank is going to close tomorrow. I don't know if the bank is going to take my money. Um, I just kind of trust it based on, you know, it's a, it's a big bank. Right. 
Um, they, you know, obviously I would believe that they have my best interests in mind. That just, you know, we, we, that's just the way it works. Um, and this is where smart contracts have always been around, right? It's not that we um, couldn't or like, you know, blockchain really created them. Like we've had, um, that's basically what code is, coding, right? Software is. Software is basically a bunch of code that, oh, if user clicks this button, it does this, right? If user does not do this, it does this. Um, the cool part about why they call it a smart contract is that we've always had automated contracts, but who's to say, right? Why, who's to say someone couldn't hack that contract? Who's to say someone couldn't edit that contract? There is, there's, there's no way for someone to prevent uh, a contract like that to, that's automated that would have huge repercussions um, if were to be hacked that it could completely change that that like that service you thought you were getting with the bank right that's why we have individuals um, facilitating those um, those those uh, I guess you would say brick and mortar contracts then in comes Vitalik an individual who was like hey like well if blockchain basically removes the trust because a um, hundred hundred people basically check the contract that this is a legitimate contract, which is why people get the, the contract, these smart contracts audited um, by um, by trustworthy individuals. Um, and then that contract, which says, okay, if um, you know this contract that I made with you on the blockchain um, is basically checked by a hundred people, if I were to basically pay for this contract or you know whatever this contract is specifically supposed to do. Um, I trust it, right? It's it, you cannot once once something is 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 put on the chain and everyone can check that specific contract. I can check the code, right? I can check the code of a smart contract, um, and it proves that okay, if individual buys this um, this asset, I have to send him five dollars, right? If this individual um, does X, Y, and Z, I have to do X, Y, and Z. So these contracts were put in place um, in a perpetual or non um, time binding environment if you think about it right like so and where I, i'm going with this is that smart contracts once deployed on a blockchain stay and are basically enforceable forever right so say that your lawyer died and he forgot about your real life brick and mortar contract and like you would ask like you know who's upkeeping this contract with a smart contract that never happens Right. You could have a smart contract and in 100 years, it'd still be, um, um, you know, executable without you in the picture. So now you should have a basic understanding of what a smart contract is. So it's basically a line of um, a set of instructions that get printed on a blockchain, which says if X happens, Y will happen. Um, and usually um, these contracts um, built inside of them is that how they execute is that, okay, when I first make the contract, it stays there. But when the contract gets, um, again, um, edited, it'll actually go through the line of code so that the next edit that happens, because um, a specific um, uh, triggering event happened, it'll then follow what the code says um, when it then gets reprinted into um, the blockchain again. So now, what are the use cases of smart contracts? So we are actually now seeing um, the use cases of smart contracts take place on Ethereum because we are building applications now 
So basically, when people think about Ethereum, they think about it as like the oil of blockchain, right? Like when I drive a car, it's basically like the oil. Like it's, you know, I'm um, all the moving parts in it. Ethereum is what makes the, the engine alive. And um, all these these applications on these blockchains, they call them dApps, which is basically a, um, you know, we'll talk about this another day, but on those dApps, smart contracts basically facilitate everything. So when an individual buys something, does a transaction um, uh, on the specific um, decentralized app, which could be a commerce app, could be a video game, um, every single transaction on that video game is a smart contract, right? Which means that if an individual is doing X, Y, and Z, like it's it's basically um, <clears throat> um, transactional, um, but based on you know mini smart contracts or big smart contracts, right? If I'm buying an NFT collection, right? I'm basically buying a smart contract. So like, you know, I'm buying um, this NFT from this individual. Um, and then, you know, I receive a um, NFT in, in, in response to buying that um, NFT from a, you know, decentralized app or from an individual. But the cool thing about um, smart contracts is that like we we're talking about before, they're indefinite. So a lot of the use cases with smart contracts is that um, they basically re replace every single aspect of our lives where there's a contract, which is basically everything in our lives. Um, so I'll give you some examples for this, starting with the NFTs. If I have an NFT collection, um, and we'll have another conversation with what, what NFT, NFTs are, really, um, but in this specific episode, I'll, I'll stick it very basic to what we're used to, which is when we're seeing these, you know, these board apes, um, these creative or branding or picture NFTs, which is the um, the artistic perspective of NFTs, It's which is only like two to 3% of what NFTs can actually do. Uh, NFTs stand for non-fungible token. But for in this example, imagine I'm, you know, I'm, I have a brand like board apes, yacht club, or um, crypto punks. So when I set out this contract, which basically shows that, okay, you know, I, you know, say that I own this collection um, inside of that contract, I can put my wallet address that like we mentioned before. I put my wallet address inside the smart contract um, that says, okay, every time an NFT of my collection, the, 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 the crypto punks is sold, right? I want 10% of the net um, profit or the net, you know, yeah, the net, net profit or the net sale of that NFT to be sent to this wallet, which is the wallet I um, I own. And once that happens, um, you know, no one can ever change it again because it was set that okay, once this once this wallet is print, you know, once this contract is printed, these specific codes cannot be changed um, ever. So now, whenever an individual now sells that NFT forever, so like in a, in in a hundred years from now. If someone were buy a buy a CryptoPunk, um, that trend, that that contract would then execute and send ten percent um, fee to that individual wallet, like we mentioned. Um, and this goes for now in a much farther use case. Now let's talk about um, concerts, right? In the past, uh, you know, 20, 50 years, um, there have been over a billion dollars in ticket resales. But ask yourself the question. How much money of those resales in um, you know have ever came back to the actual ticket master, right? Of the billion dollars, zero dollars, right? Because how can I control a commerce that happens twenty years in the future? I cannot. It's 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 impossible. Um, but although a smart contract solves this, 
because imagine now I, I'm offering tickets to a concert, to a hockey game, to um, whatever have you. But one, you know, the Ticketmaster can, you know, and this goes into a, like, you know more complex things. Like we don't have to talk about the designing or et cetera. We're just talking about the NFT itself, the actual token, which um, shows up as a, you know, your receipt or ticket. If I were to now 10 years down the road, whereas, okay, wow, I was at that, you know, that basketball game or that, con- that Michael Jackson concert. And now my ticket, um, well, one proves I was at that concert, but two, um, I resell it for, you know, $5,000, right? Um, because, you know, the collection industry is a very big industry. How do I, as the um, ticket master who designed the tickets, et cetera, like, you know, if I wanted to make some extra revenue, how would I make money back on those individuals that resale the experience of the ticket, right? Well, if I had a smart contract 20 years down the road and, you know, a billion dollars later, if I would put 20%, $200 million would have went back all, to all ticket masters. And this goes, you know, for much more use cases. We talk about um, real estate, right? Real estate, when you're buying and selling real estate, um, there's a bunch of contracts um, that are being taken place. I could, um, you know, I could replace all these contracts for your home um, with uh, smart contracts. And the home and the, the NFT and the smart contracts kind of go together. So we can ha- definitely have a different conversation at another time when we talk about NFTs. But now you're kind of seeing like what smart track contracts can really do, right? So every time you've ever read a statement um, about, you know, what you're looking to get X, Y, and Z when signing a physical contract, the smart contract basically does that in a way that's 100 times better um, and 100 times cheaper. So... Hope you enjoyed this episode about smart contracts. And um, again, um, just want to, um, if you really enjoy this content, um, to please share it out. Um, We aren't looking to um, sell anything to you, but the way podcasting grows is that um, you leave a like, a comment, and then you share it to your friends. Thank you, and look forward to speaking to the next episode. As a side note, an example for an NFT I wanted to talk about our NFT. Um, you'll probably notice on the episodes for this uh, podcast, these images that are very different from each other. So if you actually look at the cover art for every episode, it's actually part of our Cyber Friends NFT. So our Cyber Friends NFT, we want to create a world where <clears throat> um, this is going to be your first NFT you'll ever um, receive. So. Like we talked about earlier with, you know, the board apes, um, the, the crypto punks, et cetera. Um, our special unique selling point with um, the um, Cyber France is that it's a completely free NFT. So, and it'll be the easiest NFT for you to get. So we want this to be your entryway into NFTs. So if you're interested in getting um, a Cyber France NFT, um, look onto our website and then sign up with your email. Um, and when our um, wallet comes live, um, you will get a special link that will bring you to become a beta user and then as well get your first free NFT. And catch you on the next episode.